Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. But uh, I am Pastor Frank. I am the uh, pastor of Congregational Care here at Harvest. So glad to be up here this morning. And as we get ready to talk about the message today, what I'm going to do is invite us just to a time of about one minute's worth of silence. And uh, again, I don't know how people handle that one minute. Some people get a little flustered with it because it seems so long. But I'm just going to invite you, as you're reflecting and trying to focus on God in your life, to just pray a simple prayer, Father, make my heart tender. So as you're struggling and you start thinking about all the things that you have to do, the food that you might have to get for a party later on, the reasons or excuses why you're not going to a party, whatever it is, try to just simply focus on Father. Make my heart tender. So let's take that minute and then I will pray for us and we'll head into our message for today. Our Father, as we consider in some ways that you are unknowable, the fact that you make yourself known should bring a sense of gladness to our hearts, a kindness and a mercy and a grace that you have expressed to people, to the church, to the world, to say, here I am, come, come to my banquet table, come to know me, come to enjoy the fellowship. We thank you for that because it is amazing that you would do such a great thing, a gracious thing for people who in our hearts have a tendency to prefer our own way rather than yours. I do pray, may all of our hearts be tender, not just in this moment, uh, not just throughout this day, uh, but as a lifestyle, to have a tenderness towards your leadings, your promptings, and your desires for us as we go through life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today's message, I want to look at just a simple word, disciple, to be and to have, and, and I call it part one, which in a sense, this is really part two of a whole series of messages on the five relationships that I think the Bible teaches that every Christian should have as they move through their Christian life. And I'm sure that everyone here remembers from last time. I'd like to do a quiz show, but I won't because I don't want to you know, be discouraged before it starts, just in case. But the first relationship every Christian should have is a relationship with God. And we talked about that last time when we talked about Paul and his relationship to where Paul got to a place where he said, no matter what happens, I have Jesus. And today and the next time that I get up here, I want to just look at Paul and Timothy and what it means to be a disciple, even though we'll be focusing on Jesus today. And the reason behind that is because I want us to see what it means to be a disciple before we actually have a disciple when we look at Paul and Timothy. And then the other two relationships were having a Barnabas, someone who's a peer who walks with us, as well as having an Onesimus or a Philippian jailer, someone who really doesn't fully know Jesus just yet. So that's where we want to go, because I want us to see from this Paul and this Timothy what it means to learn from someone else on how to follow Jesus, what it really means to actually be a disciple. So if you want to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, 
And we're going to look at verses 16 through 17. And before I start, I want you to know that I did cheat a little bit, just so that you don't think all this thinking here is original. But uh, there's a book that recently came out by John Mark Comer entitled Practicing the Way, uh, Be With Jesus, Become Like Him, and Do As He Did. So a good portion of this has just reminded me and reshaped a little bit of what it means to be a disciple and what he talks about. So if you want to read it, it's been really good for me to just go, wow, I I think I've been not firing on all cylinders. And that's important. If you own a car, uh, if you have an eight-cylinder, which no more exists, but in the old days, uh, when I used to drive around with my Fred Flintstone car, when you had an eight-cylinder, you wanted all cylinders because you had power. And if one wasn't firing, you didn't have the same kind of power. And so when you do something, you want to do it, you want to do it right, and you want to do it with full power, right? As in, for instance, shoveling. We haven't shoveled much this winter, but you know that you have to shovel correctly or you could get seriously hurt, right? You could throw out your back. You could even have a heart attack. So you have to do it, and you want to do it right. And I think one of the crucial things in the life of following Jesus is understanding what really is a disciple and then doing it right. So that's what we want to look at today. I want to read for us our verses, and it reads like this. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, imitate me, apprentice with me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets and followed after him. Here's the first thing that I kind of want us to get. What does disciple actually mean? It's, first of all, I think it's important for us to understand that disciple is a noun and not a verb. It's a noun, not a verb. How many of you have ever heard, who is going to disciple you? Have you ever used that? Who are you going to disciple? Am I the only person that's heard that before? Anybody? Somebody want to help me out? It's kind of what we try to tell people is, you know, you have to have someone disciple you, or you have to be discipled. And when we look at it that way, what we're beginning to think, and I know this might just be semantics, is the idea that if I'm supposed to be discipled, then someone else is responsible for my spiritual life. In other words, it's been said like, well, I'm not growing because my pastor is not discipling me. Why isn't there a disciple ministry in this church? What's the program? What's the process? And if you look at the verses that we just looked at, when Jesus says, come, follow me, imitate me, be with me, he's not inviting them to a process, he's inviting them to be a person. So when we talk about disciple, what it means to be a disciple is to be someone. It's a noun. So when we go around and say, raise this question, who is discipling you? The answer should be, I don't know. All I know is I'm supposed to be a disciple. So the discipling process Really, semantically, we could say it doesn't really exist because the call is not to the program or the process, but to the person of Jesus and how we follow after him. You see, because if we make disciple a noun, what we're now saying is, I am responsible for my spiritual life. Even if your pastor discipled you, your pastor cannot follow you everywhere be with you everywhere, and show you how to live. 
Instead, you being a disciple, taking responsibility for your own spiritual growth, are saying, I will follow Jesus. I will imitate Jesus. I will apprentice with Jesus wherever I go, whether my pastor's there or not, because being a disciple is a noun. It is someone that I am. It is not a process that I go through. Does that make sense? Because to me, that's a huge difference because most people say the reason I languish in my spiritual life is because I never had someone come alongside me and help me grow. And I think the answer to that is I think the Holy Spirit who is the advocate, the one who comes alongside of us, is the one in bringing us to Jesus, remain being a disciple. I think that's huge for us to understand. So, What is a disciple? Who is a disciple? I have a couple characteristics. Number one, a disciple is a follower. A disciple is a follower. Again, if we went back to Mark 1.17, what does Jesus say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, when you follow someone, it's more than walking behind someone or cheering for someone or following someone on Instagram. We're not talking about that kind of following. So right now, if Charlie stood up and I started walking out the door and he followed me, you could say technically he's following me. But if he is not an imitator or an apprentice, he's not really a follower. Here's what I mean. Today's the Super Bowl, right? Uh, How many of you are hoping that the Kansas City Chiefs win today? Just a quick survey. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. A little higher. Okay? Raise your hand. So in a sense, I could say you are following the Chiefs, right? How many of you are following the Chiefs because of Taylor Swift? Come on. How many of you Swifties care nothing about football, but you're like, hey, man, she's dating him. I'm all in, right? Okay. How many of you in going for the 49ers are doing it because you don't want Taylor Swift to be happy? There we go. Haters going to hate. Didn't somebody say that? I think I've heard that before. That doesn't make us a follower. I mean, many of us will follow the game, but the reality comes tomorrow, and we might not even care about the game because our team isn't there. No desire, no whatsoever. So when Jesus is saying, follow me, he's talking to people, hoping that they will understand that there's two types of followers, but he's only looking for one. Now, if I had to ask you who followed Jesus, two groups of people... What would you say? Anybody? You'd get the first one right if you said disciples. And the second one you might say were the crowds, right? You said crowds, right? Yeah, the crowds. The crowds followed him, right? There were a lot of people who were following Jesus. But one day Jesus stood up and said, listen. And he said some hard things. If you're going to follow me, it's kind of like, you got to eat my body, drink my blood. And they said, whoa, hold on a minute there. That does not sound good. And a lot of followers stopped following. That is not the kind of following that Jesus is calling people to. You see, Jesus isn't looking for crowds. And catch this, he's not looking for converts either. Jesus is not calling us to Christianity. He's calling us to himself. What he's looking for is disciples. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he's saying to anyone and everyone who would follow, 
come and follow me. Not just walk behind me, but literally imitate me. Learn from me. Apprentice with me. It's an invitation to a new way of living. You see, because if you look back at verse 16, what were Peter and Andrew doing? They were living as fishermen. That was their life. That, that, that was their lifestyle. And I have to imagine that they probably smelled like fish. It was a perfume, in a sense, that pervaded everything that they did because that's what their life was. And so when Jesus says to them, come and follow me, what he's saying is, I want to change your whole life. I want to change the way you live. You smell like fish. Now I want you to smell like dust because you're following me, but ultimately I want you to smell like I smell. I want you to imitate me. I want you to apprentice with me because Jesus does not say, I would just love everyone to be in heaven and that's the end of it because he would. There's truth to that. But he says, while you walk this walk, I want you to walk as I would walk. God so loved the world. He loves the whole world. He wants everyone to know him. There is no denying that. But his call to be a disciple is that we would leave this old life that we live and we live this new life with him and in his strength. Second thing, not only a follower, but a disciple is also an imitator. And we've talked about that before. And the third thing is he is an apprentice, someone who learns a skill by practicing. Someone who learns a skill by practicing. For instance, I think... I understand how cars work. Anyone here have any car issues? Would you like me to fix your car? I'm offended. I know about cars. I can read a book. No, you wouldn't. You want someone who is a skilled practitioner who can even listen to a sound and go, oh, I know what that is, and fix it and get it done. You see, what Jesus is calling them is to an apprenticeship, a new way of living that says you are going to get new skills on how to be a person that serves God, loves God, pleases God, because that's what a disciple does. They are a follower, an imitator, and an apprentice. So if you were to apprentice with Jesus, then how would you know what to do? Because you want to do it right. The first thing that you would have to do is that you would have to be with him. Be with him. Mark 3.14 says, Jesus appointed 12 men that they might be with him. And John 15.5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain, live, abide in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the call of discipleship in, in Mark chapter 1, like we read, Jesus said what? Come. Come, follow me, be with me. Now, how many of you remember your college roommates? Quick survey, again, I know I'm raising your hands, don't be afraid. If you went to college, you had a roommate, if you didn't go to college, it doesn't matter because we're learning these days. A lot of people don't need that, they're learning trades and they're doing better. But college roommates, how many of you, in having college roommates, are still best friends with your roommates? Okay, one. 
Two, couple over, oh, come on, you're sisters, that's cheating. Come on, man. <laughs> okay, there's, how many, I had three, in five years of college, I had three roommates, and none of them are friends. Not that they're not enemies or anything like that, but when Jesus said, be with me, what he's saying is we are going to be close. We are going to be living together. We're going to be abiding, remaining, doing all things together. So the invitation of Jesus is be with me. And it's not just being there in a place. Like right now we could say, wow, we're all together. Well, yes, we are. But if Jesus were to look at our hearts and our minds and see how we were living and thinking about him and our theology and all the stuff that relates to us, I think we would be shocked to find that we're not really with each other. We're all in the same building. We're all sitting in the same cafeteria. We're together, right? No, Jesus is saying, when you are with me, there's something that's going to be different about the way you desire the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act. Because a disciple is with me. We are with him to become like him. The next verse that we have, Colossians 1.28 reads this way. We proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete mature in, conformed to Christ. You see, when Jesus says, come and follow me, he's not saying, guys, here's an adventure. You want to go on an adventure? You want to camp out most days of your life now for the next three and a half years? Then y'all come with me. That's the real cool thing. No, he doesn't say that. He says, there's a goal. There is a reason. It is to be like me. The goal of the Christian life ultimately is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So that when people see you, they see Jesus. Now I know immediately, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's a little much because I know that I am not perfect. I know that I fail. I know that I make mistakes. Absolutely true for all of us. But the goal, the place in which God is drawing us to is to be more like his son, You see, a disciple just didn't hang out with Jesus just to hang out with him because it was a part of something bigger in their lives. It was because I want to be like you. So when Jesus says, come and follow me, what he's saying is, come and be like me. Because in those days, that's what a rabbi did. A rabbi lived in such a way, and the disciples of that rabbi watched everything about that rabbi so that they could learn how to be like that rabbi. Rabbi. So that if they went off by themselves, someone could say, oh, I know you. You're just like that guy. You're just like that person. Just like that. In a sense, how many of you as parents have ever heard the comment, oh, so much like your mom? You ever heard that? How do they know that? Because they know your mom. They know how your mom acted. And then they saw Wow, you do the same thing. They go, oh, you're just like your dad. How? Because they know your dad, and they see you're doing things just like your dad. And so when Jesus says, come and follow me, he says, be with me to become like me. The more you are around someone, the more you become like them. I remember the first summer after my first year at Moody Bible Institute, and I've told this story before, but I remember... Uh, the first time I met Koreans, actually, as I probably mentioned before, too, uh, they owned a gas station and they hired me. They said, well, you know what? You're a Christian. 
Because you go to Moody Bible Institute, we're Christians too, so we want you to work in our gas station. Okay, that's great. What a beautiful thing to get a job for. Great reason. By the end of that summer, even though they stopped owning the business, by the end of that summer, even though I was a college student, I found myself smoking a cigar in the refrigeration place putting milks. And I realized, wait a minute, I don't smoke. Why am I smoking? Because the people that I had been hanging around with all summer were transforming me and making me more like them. That's the way it's supposed to be for Christians, right? No, I had it backwards, man. <laughs> they were supposed to be coming more like me. That was my hope. That's why I got a job, so that I could shine my light. Instead, I'm smoking a cigar in the refrigeration compartment at a gas station. See, the more we are around people, the more we become like them. And that's what Jesus is saying. Come. Follow me, be with me so that you can become like me. And then finally he says, do just as I do. In other words, Jesus says, listen, I have come to seek and serve those who are lost. In a sense, I'll put it in your language. You are fishermen. Now I want you to be fisher of men. Why? Because that's what my mission is. That's what my mission is with God. God has called me to seek and serve those who are lost because God loves them and he wants to bring them into his family. And if you just do as I did because you're with me and you're becoming like me, it's going to be a natural outflow that you do the things that I do. Ultimately, with a sense of obedience. Because in our minds, we can do all of those things and still miss the one thing that Jesus wants us to do ultimately which is to be obedient to the Father, just like he did. See, being a disciple includes theology. It includes ethics while embracing a way of life. See, in our minds, we have minimum requirements. So here are the minimum requirements I think that most churches have. It's this. Number one, according to Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you want to be a disciple, the theology is you have to admit that you're a sinner. Second thing you need to do is to recognize that God loves you and Jesus died for you, which is what? Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we got a great theology going here. Yeah, I can confess I'm a pretty selfish person. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And guess what? God so loved the world that he sent his only son and God has demonstrated his love through Christ. So I'm in a good place. Now all I have to do is what? Believe. If I just believe this, I can go to heaven. Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm a disciple. And in all that, Jesus would say, no, you lack one thing. Practice. Obedience. You can have the right theology. Jesus did not call his disciples to say, guys, you're going to spend a couple years in seminary with me. He said, no, you're going to come and follow me and learn a new way to live. That new way to live includes theology. It includes ethics. But everything comes back to obedience. Because the disciple says what? 
I am with Jesus to become like Jesus, to do as Jesus is, and it's all tied into obedience because you can't do those three things and not be obedient. You can't say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, but when Jesus has me do things that I really don't feel like I should be doing or I don't like or I don't agree with, well, then I'm not going to do them. And Jesus would say, thus, you are not truly a disciple. Because the one thing that Jesus is calling us to is this new way of living for him rather than for ourselves. Could you imagine someone studying for years to be a mechanic, HVAC, or even a doctor, gets all the knowledge and says, I'm a doctor, and then doesn't practice it? That doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense in what it means to actually be a disciple. So Jesus here is laying it on the line and he's saying, listen, I am calling you to a new way to live. And here's what I'm saying. The next slide. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And we have a way of viewing this. So I hope that a little bit, and this is from the book, will change our thinking on this because it changed mine. Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. See, most of us, when we read that, we think that this is Jesus' ethic on how to get to heaven. Jesus is not giving an ethic on how to get to heaven. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is Jesus' way of saying, to be my disciple, this is the way that you live. Right now, and for the rest of your life until you die and rise again and live forever. This is an ethic. This is a lifestyle that you live. If you want to be my disciple, just read these. Listen to, for them to listen to the sermon. For us, just read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you'll know what a disciple does. This is what Jesus is like, calling them to this life now. You want to be wise? Do what I say now. Not waiting till you get to heaven. You want to be foolish and unwise? Then don't do what I say. Because what Jesus is saying that this disciple thing that I want, I'm calling you to be a disciple is much bigger than we normally give it credence to. Again, it is not a process. It is not a program. It's becoming a person. Jesus is saying this is the person that I want you to be like. If you're going to represent me, be like this. Just off the top of my head, does anyone remember, and I, I'm not bringing politics into this, so don't, please don't take this in any way political, but does anyone remember the big blowout that former President Trump had with his um, ambassador in Turkey, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm just, this is off the top of my head. She is supposed to represent him, but she didn't, so he fired her. Now, right or wrong, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just trying to show you in the real world that when we are called to represent someone, we are supposed to represent someone. And Jesus calls us to represent him. And when we don't, we are not his disciple. 
And that's why I think this is so serious, because the reality is Jesus invites his disciples. Listen, this is what he invites them to. He says, come and experience eternal life. Are you looking for love? You'll find it here. Are you looking for peace? You'll find it here. Are you looking for joy? You'll find it here. Are you looking for abundant life? You'll find it here. Now, here's the scary part. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. I like the first part. Amen? Who doesn't want to experience all that stuff? It's the second part where you now see where the rubber hits the road and you understand, am I a disciple? Have I come to Jesus for what I can get from Jesus or have I come to Jesus because I understand what he expects of me, which is what? In following him, I need to deny myself, carry my cross daily, and follow him. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. How so? We need to be with him, become like him, and do as he does. It's being a little Christ. Mind you, I understand the need for theology and ethics and all that stuff. I understand part of the great thing is to raise your hand, stand in a crowd, do whatever it is. Those are important parts, beginning events of what it means to follow Jesus. But it doesn't mean you follow Jesus if you've just done them. To follow Jesus is to say, whatever you say, I will do. Because it is not about what I want. It is about what you want and what you want for your kingdom. Let me finish with this. How do we know that we're actually becoming apprentices? So I have a little phrase here that I came up with. Uh, I'll put it in the recap for you as well. But you know you're, you're, you're like Jesus. You know that you're a disciple of the present when you are more like Jesus in your desires. When you're more like Jesus in your thoughts when you are more like Jesus in your words and in your actions. What does Jesus desire? Jesus desired the glory of his Father, so much so that he would do the will of his Father no matter what. Are you growing in that? Are you sitting there and say, I want to know you more, Father. I want to I glorify you more, Father. I want to I know your will, and ultimately, I just want to do your will. That's what Jesus is like. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus calls his disciples to. Are you more like God in your thoughts? Like when you think, do you think the kingdom make a difference in my life now? How does being in the kingdom of God make a difference in what I'm going to do later on? How does the kingdom of God influence and affect the decisions that I make? Are you growing in that? Then you're understanding what it's like to be a disciple. Look at your words, your actions. Are you more compassionate? Are you more incarnational, meaning that you're more around people who need to hear the love of God? Are you around them sharing that? Are you the type of person that's entering into prayer because you want to be with your father? Are you entering into worship? Are you hearing his word? Are you doing the things that Jesus would do? And when you come to that place, we then have to ask ourselves, if this is the measurement, being more like Jesus in my desires, my thoughts, my words, and my actions, I think it becomes clear to us as to whether or not we are really walking as disciples of Jesus.
Now, I'd like to stand up here and tell you, I do this every day, every moment of my life. If you're in my small group, immediately you're saying, you lie. Because <laughs> it's true. It is a struggle to be a disciple of Jesus. The world that we live in does anything and everything to keep us distracted, focusing on who God is and what he has done for us. The beauty of all of this, when Jesus says, come, follow me, I think he clearly understood the people that he chose to follow him. All throughout the gospels, Jesus says to them what? Oh, ye men of little faith. Jesus doesn't call us to a process, nor does he call us to perfection. Because if the call is to perfection, then I need to retire today. And I'm not saying that just because I'm trying to excuse or rationalize, but I'm just trying to tell us that God understands and that when Jesus calls us to be a disciple, this process, this becoming a person, is not an easy thing. It is a thing that requires full trust and dependence on God. Which is really interesting, because if I'm not mistaken... That's exactly what Jesus did when he walked this earth. So the call of Jesus is be with me. And the more you're with him, the more you spend time with him, I'm going to say in some ways the easier it gets because you know who he is like. You know what he does. And you walk in that, in his strength. This message to me is important because it helps us to realize that God is not just about our happiness and our joy. He is about building his kingdom. And in his kingdom, it is made up of people who are becoming more like Jesus in what they desire, what they think, and what they say, and what they do. It's a hard message. It's a hard message because God is calling us to something that is contrary to our nature which is to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and then follow him. Let's pray. Again, I just want to give us a moment of silence. That you would keep asking God, let my heart be tender. is not an easy call. And it's not an easy thing to talk about. And it's not an easy thing to do. I wish I could say that God just wants you to pray the prayer and then live however you want. Everything's all good. But if I read scripture correctly, that's not the call of Jesus. The call is to be with him, to become like him, and do as he did. So we'll take about another minute, even with the background music going, and I just want you to, again, just pray that prayer. Father, make my heart tender. Or maybe you're at a place where there's the tenderness that's already there. And so, Father, give me the strength and the courage to be the disciple that you call me to be. 
And if you recognize, man, I am nowhere near what all these verses said. The beauty of Jesus, and in my small group we're studying Revelation and how Jesus calls the churches to repentance. The beauty of it all is that when he speaks to us and calls us to repentance, it's because he loves us and wants to draw us to himself. It is not done. It is not over. There is a call to repentance and reward. So a minute of silence with me quiet. Father, you love with a love that I don't understand. But we trust your word. Understanding that being a disciple of Jesus is not the path to ease. And the night he was betrayed, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Hey, you know what, guys? I'm about to suffer, and guess what? You are going to too. It is hard to be a disciple. But I think of the church in Pergamum, where even though they lived where Satan's throne was, Though you commended them for their deeds, for their theology, you still rebuked them for the loose living that was going on in their midst. Because the church reflects you. And if we are no different than anyone else, then there's no reflection. Which is why you call us to be with you. Which is why you call us to be like Jesus and do the things that he did. Because like the church of Pergamum, the message of Jesus was not, I'm done with you, but turn back to me and let me fill you, let me bless you, let me give you life. So Jesus, in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of how much we give in to all the things that we give into, and how much we don't want to do it, How much we feel like Paul where we can sit there and say, the things I want to do in following Jesus, I don't do them. And the sin that I want to do, man, I shouldn't be doing it, but woo, boy, I really enjoy it. You want me to give it up? No way. And your response is, yeah. Because that way of living leads to destruction. 
Take this difficult path and you'll find life. So I pray for us as a church, all of us, that being a disciple is and remains the weighty thing that it is. It is a call to whatever it takes. It is a call literally to death before we experience life. And as much as we struggle to go that direction, I pray, Holy Spirit, give us the desire and the courage to live as Jesus did in the world that he lived in and how he would live today through us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.